Good morning, Shiloh. I want to encourage each and every one of you to attend our Kingdom Investor Meeting this week. If you know, like the video said, if you know, want to know where we've been. That's my husband back there running the soundboard. <laughs> I don't want that video. Okay, thank you. If you want to know where we've been or where we're going or what God is calling us to do or where we're spending all the money that comes into Shiloh, then come to our Kingdom Investors Meeting. And yes, at the end of that meeting, we're going to have a church conference meeting that that allows that will allow us to purchase a property that we believe that God is calling us to purchase. And so I want to encourage everyone to be there and to just hear about uh, what God's doing is, and what God's going to do in this space and place. Now, this morning we are continuing with our series, Hope, Life, Money. The series from Dave Ramsey can't come at a better time in our world. I don't know about you, but if you've been watching the news, uh, there are a lot happening throughout our world from Greece to Italy to right here in the United States. Debt is a problem. Amen. And debt not only affects countries and worlds and a global economy, it also affects our individual economies. In fact, many of us are struggling because we are in bondage to debt. Now, a few years ago, my husband and I moved from Anderson, Indiana to Durham, North Carolina, and we were going to be there for at least three years. And so we were young in our marriage and people were encouraging us to buy a home. It was 2003, what would prove to be the end of the housing boom. And so, I mean, everywhere we went, someone said to us, you should buy a house. You should gain some property. You should expand your equity. All kinds of people encouraged us to buy a home. And, and we found a great realtor, you know, one of those realtors that encourages you to buy a home that you can't afford. And so we would look at these homes, and my husband and I had this understanding of what we could afford, but our realtor had even better understanding of what we could afford. At least that's what she told us. And so we were looking at these homes that were sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 more than what we thought we could afford. Well, she was so convincing that she sent us to a financial advisor, you know, a banker, right? And she sent us to this banker, and this banker looked at over all of our income and our finances and the debt we were in, and he told us that we could afford a $900 house payment. Now, let me say that we were renting for less than $300 a month. And so he, I mean, he's the banker. He's the financial advisor. Isn't he supposed to be right? <laughs> well, uh, to make a long story short, by the grace of God, we did not buy a home. We did not buy a home. But what was it that led us to believe That on our meager salary, I was in seminary and John was a first-year teacher, on our meager salary that we could actually afford $900 house payments. Well, I believe it was because we grew up in a generation that believed debt was normal. We grew up in a generation that believed that debt was a way of life. What do I mean? Well, my parents, when they bought Christmas, they put it on the what? On the credit card. And it was on the credit card till about March, right? I mean, that's how we had Christmas year in and year out. My high school counselors encouraged me not only to take some student loans, but if we needed to, to take really large student loans because what? We needed an education in order to get a job. And somehow, being born in the era that I was born in, I believed the lie that I had to be in debt in order to survive 
every single day. How did this happen? How do we have whole generations of people who are chained, bound by debt in their lives? Well, we could blame it on a few things, but one of the things that that really does help this is clever marketing. Somehow, you know, all these clever marketers help us to believe that somehow we can't be happy without stuff. And so in order to get stuff, when you don't have money, what do you got to do? You got to put it on your credit card, right? Or you got to borrow the money. Or In order to have the stuff you want to be happy, you have to live in debt. Now that is a bold-faced lie. How do we know? Well, Forbes magazine did a survey of the 400 wealthiest people in America. Now, if you're one of the 400 wealthiest people in America, you probably know how to manage your your finances. Just a guess, right? The 400 wealthiest people in America. And when asked what was the key to their financial success, guess what they said? They got out of debt and they stayed out of debt. 75% of the 400 wealthiest people in America said their key to financial success was getting out of debt and staying out of debt. They did not buy the lie that in order to get ahead, they had to be in debt. But let me tell you, this lie, it pervades, it, it's infused in our culture. I mean, and when you tell a lie long enough, loud enough, everybody starts to believe it. Now, one of the most clever things I've seen recently on TV are these great credit card commercials. Capital One has the best. I mean, they are incredible marketers. I mean, they need to pay their people extra money because they are amazing marketers at Capital One, right? And so there's this Capital One commercial, and people are in this fancy smancy kind of department store, and they're talking about how you can earn, listen to this term, earn cash back when you spend up to $1,500 on your credit card. Now, you can earn up to 5%. And they are so clever that they even say the math out loud. They say that means that's 75 bucks in your pocket. Now, there are some of us who are thinking, but you just spent $1,500. So what does it matter that you have 75 extra dollars in your pocket, right? But what's crazy is so many people look at that commercial And they think that's a great idea, right? I mean, they're looking at that commercial and they're saying, this is a great deal. I get to have 75 bucks in my pocket. Yeah, but you just spent $1,500 on things you don't need. Do you see how clever these marketers are? Do you see the kind of trouble that we have found ourselves in as a nation, as a community, as individuals? We have bought The lie that we need debt to get ourselves financially ahead. So how do we break that lie? How do we break free from the bondage of debt? Well, I believe that the answer is found in the word of God. It's found in the Bible. Now, before we open our Bibles, I want to do a little experiment. Everyone who's able, I'd like you to stand up. Go ahead and stand up if you're able, if you'll stand for me. And I want you to close your eyes. Now, I know that because you're good church folks, you're not going to cheat by opening your eyes. So (laughs) I want you to keep your eyes closed. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to show me by pointing which way is north. So keep your eyes closed. 
And I want you to point which way you think is north. So go ahead and point. Now, everyone, everyone, keep your fingers up and open your eyes. Somebody in the room is wrong, right? (laughs) Somebody's wrong, right? If we... North, according to my handy-dandy compass, is right about here. Okay? You got that? North is right here. Now, you all can be seated. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too often, too often in our lives, we are like this, trying to navigate our finances, Right? We are pointing in each and every direction that we think is north. And yet we don't, we're not smart enough to pick up the compass and to allow ourselves to be guided by the word of God, right? The Bible is full of knowledge, full of, of insight when it comes to our finances. In fact, we've said this just in our last series. God talks more about money, wealth, and poverty than any other subject. In the Bible. And so too often we, we try to manage our own money and we fail because we don't open the word of God. And so this morning I want to invite you to open up your Bibles and pull out your sermon notes. And we're going to be taking a look at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, the 22nd chapter. Now in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is full of biblical wisdom when it comes to our finances. And there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And so if you read a single chapter every day, you would come out with like a master's degree in finance, right? I mean, there's some incredible stuff in the book of Proverbs. And so I want to challenge you to read a chapter of Proverbs every day and just experience the kind of wealth of knowledge that you come out with. So let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 22, verses 1 through 7. This is what it reads. A good name is more desirable than riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. And the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul strays from them train a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave or the servant to the lender now god is clear no matter where you fall on the financial spectrum whether you are very rich or you're very poor or you're somewhere in between god is the maker of us all That the God of the universe created us, and that means God provides for us. God is our provider. Amen? Amen. Now, if we really believe that, we would live like that, but too often we live as though we can take care of it, right? We can manage our own finances. We believe in our own ability to manage them. We believe in what other people say about finances, and we also believe in that little thing we call a credit score or a FICO score. 
Now, I don't know how often I talk to people who, who wear their credit score like a badge. But you know what a credit score is? It's an I love debt score, right? I mean, that FICO score is all about how much debt you have, how you've obtained that debt. If you're paying your payments on that debt, if you have a great credit score, it's because you have a lot of debt. You know, too often we say to God, God, I don't trust you to provide. That's why I have to go into debt for something. But God is our provider. We do not need debt. Now, in order to actually believe that and live like that, we have to have an entire paradigm shift. I mean, it is hard for me not to want to charge the things that I want. Amen? I mean, it's, it's hard for me not to spend money on things that I do not need. It is hard for me not to want stuff. In fact, I've said before, you know, as Americans, it's like they inject materialism into our Wheaties. I mean, this is a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA. And so over and over and over again, we have to shift our paradigm. We have to think differently about our finances. Why? Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Many of us find ourselves, and maybe even today, enslaved by debt. We are chained up because of the debt that we have in our lives. What do I mean? Well, let's watch this video clip. My my wife Sharon and I, we got out of school. We got married. No, this is not marriage. We had a little bit of student loan debt, a lot of money on our Amico card, because I bought a couch on my Amico card. I don't think you're supposed to do that, but the guy at the fleet market said it was okay. Um, And we started off our lives, and we were eating off a card table, driving a 1902 Pinto, and and we were trying to get going, and, and we needed a television. We needed a television. So I went down to the electronics store, and I got 90 days, same as cash, because I had no cash. And I was a finance major, and so I'm going to get this free money, zero interest, because I'm so smart. By the way, 80% of 90 days, same as cash, doesn't pay off in 90 days, and transfers to high-interest loans at your local finance company, 24 to 38%, with a prepayment penalty, just to go ahead and kick you one more time to remind you how dumb you were. <laughs> Most people don't pay it off in 90 days. And if you don't pay it off in 90 days, by the way, the 90 days isn't free either. They backcharge you through that for the interest. It's how it works. It's a game. It's called fishing. Right? That's the deal. And so we started off our lives that way, and we went and bought a television. Then I went and bought a car I wanted that my wife, I thought, needed. Yeah, some of you guys have bought a car that you wanted that you thought your wife needed. Yeah, you blamed it on her, in other words, right? And and then we went to get a house. Get a house, get a house, get a house, get a house. you got to get a house if you don't get a house. Oh, you don't want to be a renter. Renters are evil. <laughs> renter's salvation is in jeopardy. You do not want to be a renter because this is the way our culture talks, isn't it? You'll never be anybody. Get a house, get a house, get a, get a house, get a house. You know what happens when broke people get a house? They get broker. That's why they call them real estate brokers. <laughs> a house is not a blessing when you're broke. It'll take you apart and take you down. So if you want to get a house, do some stuff about money that the Bible says so you're not broke anymore, and then go get you a house. But I didn't do that. I've been married about 15 minutes. People are in my living room going, you need to get a house. Get a house, get a house, get a house, get a house. And so 
we went and found a house with nothing down because that's how much we had to put down. They called it creative financing, which if you look it up in the Greek means too broke to buy a house. And so we bought a house about three blocks over from where I grew up. Larry Burkett used to say we spend the first five to seven years of our marriage trying to attain the same standard of living as our parents. Only it took them 35 years to get there. I lived in the same neighborhood as mom and dad, had a better car than mom and dad, and for sure had a better TV and stereo system than mom and dad. 52% of the marriages end in divorce in North America today. Of those that divorce, the number one cause is money fights and money problems. Of those that divorce in the first seven years of marriage, 90% say money caused it. Young marriages are falling apart everywhere. You know why? When you're like this, your leg gets tired. <laughs> they come in our office, they look like this all the time for financial counseling. Dave, can you get me out? <laughs> when I went broke and started over, I discovered this was the truth. That the borrower is slave to the lender is the truth. Regardless of how you feel, this is the truth. Hmm. Now, whether we are in bondage to debt, I'm sure that you know someone or have someone that you love that is. That you know they are balancing on one leg and they are barely making it. Because debt has them so chained, so tied down, that they can barely breathe. This is the culture we find ourselves in. So how do we break free from the bondage that debt has over our lives or over our loved ones' lives? Well, first, we have to have gazelle-like intensity. This is Proverbs 6, 1, 4, and 5. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor... If you have struck hands in a pledge for another, that's an old way of saying, if you are in debt, allow no sleep to to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Now, what does it mean to have gazelle-like intensity? How many of you have ever experienced the cheetah exhibit at the Cincinnati Zoo? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few of you, right? I mean, it is intense. In about four leaps, that cheetah can go from zero to 47 miles per hour. The cheetah is the fastest, the absolute fastest animal on the face of the earth. And guess what its favorite food is? The gazelle, right? The gazelle. Now, the scripture is saying that we are like the gazelle and the cheetah, the hunter, is the lender. And so the lender is going to do everything in its power to attack you and gobble you up. What do I mean? Well, let me tell you, when I was in college and graduate school, I could have any free merchandise that I wanted. Free t-shirt, free ball cap, even a free iPad if I would just sign up for the right credit card, right? I mean, these credit card companies are clever. I need a free water bottle. I need a free t-shirt. I need, you know what I'm saying? And before you know it, here you are in your late teens, early 20s, and you are up to your eyeballs in debt, right? These lenders are after us. Now, we're beginning, we're about ready to begin to walk into one of the most cheetah-infested 
times of the year. The holiday season, right? Where every commercial, every department store, everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, you are going to be bombarded with the opportunity to buy more, to get more, to want more. I mean, every time that you're going to go to Kohl's or JCPenney's or Sears, they're going to tell you that if you want to save 10% or 20% or, you know, 30% on your purchase today, all you have to do is what? Sign up for your credit card, right? These are cheetah-infested times. And so let's put that picture back up here. If we're the gazelle... And the lender is the cheetah. What do we got to do to stay alive? Okay, you got to say that a little louder. We got to run, right? We got to run to get away from the debt that's wanting to take our lives over. We've got to get gazelle-like intensity and run from the debt in our lives. The next thing that we have to do is we have to start paying off that debt. On the back of your your sermon notes is this debt snowball form. This comes from Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey. And what this form is all about is it, it challenges you to write down all of your debts from the smallest to the largest. Why start with the smallest? Because you need some small victories in your life to actually conquer all the debt in your life. So you start with the smallest and you work your way to the largest. And I want to say, put this on here and put it on your refrigerator because, you know, we go to our refrigerators pretty often in our lives, don't we? Amen. (laughs) So put that on your refrigerator and see that each and every day, knowing this is the debt that you need to conquer first, second, third, fourth, and so forth. Now, does having a piece of paper on your refrigerator really work? Absolutely. Let me tell you why. Four years ago, I had between one hundred and forty and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt. Lots of dumb financial decisions in my world, right? And as of today, I have less than eighty-four thousand dollars worth of debt. It may still sound like a lot, but that's a lot of change if you're earning a teacher salary and a preacher salary to get all that debt taken care of. Why? Because John and I decided that we needed to have gazelle-like intensity. To get rid of the debt that was chaining us up. This stuff works. Now some of you are saying, but I need more than a little piece of paper on my refrigerator. Well in January we're going to have a Financial Peace University class. It starts January 9th. It's 13 weeks. It's the best 93 bucks that you'll ever spend on yourself. And in that class you'll get the accountability and the plan that you need to become financially free. There's a sign-up sheet right in the gathering space. And I want to encourage you, if you are up to your eyeballs in debt, please sign up for Financial Peace University. Now, there are some of you who are saying, wait a second, this is November, and that is January, and I need some help between now and then. Well, this morning I want to give you five quick ways that you can become financially free from the debt you're in. Number one, you need to start saving money. Save your money. Remember, we talked about having that $1,000 emergency fund, and if you make under $20,000 a year, that $500 emergency fund, you need to get a buffer between you and life so that when life happens, you don't grab a credit card or you don't call someone up and say, I need money. 
You need a buffer between you and life. Save your money. Number two, quit borrowing money. You know, you can't get out of the hole that you find yourself in if you keep digging at the bottom, right? If you keep borrowing money, you'll never get out of debt. And so you have to draw a line in the sand and you have to say, I will never borrow money ever again. But know this, when you make that declaration, the devil is going to be at your doorstep. You are going to be tempted, whether it's through holiday purchases or whether it's through a broken down car, to go into debt. But you've made the declaration, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go into any more debt. And so you're going to be like me. You're going to drive a rusted out beater, right? I mean, that's what you're going to do because you are clear you're not going to go into any more debt. Number three, you're going to pray because prayer really works. Just like Danny was saying, the God of the universe loves us. The God of the universe cares about us. The God of the universe is so mindful of us that he has numbered the hairs on our head. Now, if God's numbered the hairs on our head, don't you think God cares a little bit about our finances? And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't prayed to God in a while, say to God, God, I need your help. And not the kind of prayer that says, okay, Lord, I see see this great new cell phone. It's going to cost me $300 and I need your help. No, not that kind of prayer. The kind of prayer that says, God, I lack discipline. I struggle to be disciplined in my spending. So I'm going to need all the help I can get. And that includes help from heaven so that I can live the life that you're calling me to live. Please help me become financially free. Prayer works. Prayer changes things. Number four, sell something. Sell something, sell anything, sell whatever you have. Sell so much that the kids or the grandkids think they're next, right? (laughs) Sell something. You know, right now, I am picturing the house that you live in. And I bet there is some junk laying around the house that you do not use. Now, don't feel guilty. Everyone has it, right? Junk in your house that you do not use. In fact, in fact, Dave Ramsey says that Probably each and every, the average American household has at least $1,000, that beginning or emergency fund, at least $1,000 worth of stuff they're not using in their household. So get on eBay, get on Craigslist, have a garage sale. You know, yesterday would have been a great garage sale day, right? Have a garage sale and sell something so that you have some buffer between you and life. Sell something. And the number five thing that you could do, the fifth thing that you possibly could do to get some traction on your debt is to take a part-time job. Now, I know in this economy, it's challenging to take a part-time job because they're just not everywhere, right? But you got to do whatever it takes. Yeah, you're saying to yourself, yeah, I had a delivery route when I was 17 years old, but I don't want to go back there. Go back there. When you are in debt, your life is a mess. And temporarily, to get yourself out of that mess, you have to do things you do not want to do. Amen? Amen. You have to do things you don't want to do. Now, I'm not saying become a workaholic and spend the next 30 years of your life doing three and four jobs. No, I'm saying for this time period, get that gazelle-like intensity, take that extra job, and get debt-free. Take a part-time job. Now, if we're really honest with ourselves, either we are or we know someone in our lives who is chained up 
by the debt they find themselves in. Student loan debt, credit card debt, car payment debt, you name it. They are chained up. They are bound by the debt that they find themselves in. But that's not how Christ wants us to live. In Galatians 5.1, it says, But it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Let me say that again. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Church, Christ wants us to be free. Jesus wants us to be free. Free from sin. Free from the incredibly bad choices some of us have made. Free from the debt that we have in our lives. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, you know, when John and I were young in 2003 and we were thinking about buying a home, would it have been a bad decision to buy a home? No. Buying a home is not a bad decision. But buying a house that you couldn't even possibly afford, that's when we really get ourselves in trouble. Church, we have a culture full of people who are barely making it because debt has them prisoner. And we and they need to know that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you today. And Lord, as we sung earlier, you know, there is a world around us that has oohs and it has ahs and it has everything that we think we need. And it is constantly pulling at us and trying to get us to buy, to get us to go into debt, to get us to, to accumulate things we just don't need. But God, you want to set us free. You want to give us the discipline that we need. You want to give us the insight. You want to give us the knowledge. You want to give us the behavior so that we can be free to make a kingdom difference in this community, in this city, in this nation, and yes, throughout this world. God, I know that there are a few people who walked into this place and they were up to their eyeballs because they didn't know how they were going to pay their bills. And they didn't know how they were going to be freed from the pain, from the burden of debt in their lives. But God, you've opened a window. You've given them an opportunity this morning to know there is hope. There is hope even for something as complex and yet simple as our finances. There is hope. God, you gave your life for us. And that means you gave up your life for our whole lives. Our souls, our finances, our families, our communities, for all of it, Lord. So God, free us so that we can be obedient. Free us so that we can